Hello and welcome to episode 10. Yes, episode 10 of Fish Across the Pond, a Miami Marlins UK baseball podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me this week, the three amigos are back. We've got Lee Dobbs, Dan Healy and Rob Newell. How are we, guys? We're good. Yeah, I'm good. Very well, thank you. Awesome. Dan, great to have you back. We missed you. We missed you last week. Mexico oh, was, you was good. <laughs> Mexico was very good, thank you. Yes, very good. I don't. I didn't move a lot from me sun lounger, um, <laughs> especially when the staff are just bringing you drinks. You don't have to even move. So, uh, yes, it was uh, It was very nice, very relaxing. And, um, good, man. Yeah, now, now back and watching some baseball again. Awesome. I, I, followed, I follow you on Twitter, obviously, and I checked in daily to, to your Twitter feed to see what was going on. I've been to Mexico once before myself and thought it was excellent. So I was jealous that you were there. In reality, though, I could have just looked at day one picture and <laughs> that was pretty much the same image I saw for the next seven days. It looked like you were horizontal throughout, pina coladas in hand or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very <so>. accurate. <laughs> Excellent. Well, listen, good to have you back. The guys survived last We all survived last week without you. Um, <laughs> Very good podcast, was too, guys. Exactly. Hey, have you reviewed and uh, subscribed? That's the main thing. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, we've got a positive start to the pod. We've got our first series win. Uh, taking down the Nats. Ooh. You're back from Mexico. Uh, we've had a series win. Is there a correlation, Dan? <laughs> what are you saying? What, were, what did you see from that from that series? If you uh, if you need me to stay out there for good luck, guys, then um, <laughs> I'll, I will do that for the team. I'm happy to do that. But uh, yes, it was um, it was a series win. Bang the drums and let off the fireworks. Miami Marlins have won a series. Um, unfortunately, I uh, I didn't see a lot of it because uh, game one, I was in the air on my way home, um, which was very annoying. Um, although it seemed like a, a hard fault win, quite an unusual way of winning as well after looking at the highlights. We were basically winning through uh, what was um, two walks, really, with the bases loaded. So, um, strange way to get there, but a, a dug-in, nice performance, excellent uh, performance again from... Um, KKK Caleb, um, <laughs> he was uh, he was absolutely light start with his uh, with the ball in hand, so uh, that was nice to see. Um, but yeah, nice a dug in, and it sort of set the tone. Then a few hits, bit of um, bit of fire coming back to the bats, and then uh, led on nicely. Dan, have you gone? <laughs> Sorry, am I back? Sorry. Don't know, don't know what happened there. Sorry. Um, and then, yeah, that led on to game, led on to game two with um, uh, the, the freshing. And in my jet lag state, I was sort of really looking forward to waking up uh, the next day and uh, watching what had happened overnight, and uh, not really knowing what day or week it was because of uh, being uh, all over the place in terms of the body clock. First thing I did was went on them as usual. First thing when I wake up, always have five minutes through Twitter and. Totally forgot that we'd played the night before and ruined it for myself for what was probably our best performance of the season. <laughs> so, <laughs> I saw the stats and um, I did watch some of it um, with the highlights, but I was disappointed in myself because I was really looking forward to watching that. But um, yeah, nice to see uh, some hits and some runs. And again, 
another decent performance uh, with the ball in hand, uh, Urena. Uh, nice, yeah, n- nice figures there. Um, got hit a few times, but only two two end runs and four four strikeouts. So that's that's better from him. But also a great performance in that game from the bullpen. Um, I think the bullpen's really excelling this year. I've been really impressed uh, so far in what I've seen with it with, with those guys and. And yeah, nice, nice with uh with a bat in hand from um your uh, uh Granderson. He got a couple of hits and a couple of runs, and I think Anderson was much better as well, which was nice. So uh, yeah, a nice win there. And then uh, all looking forward to the sweep on the UK friendly uh, Sunday <laughs> yeah. evening. Finally get back, you know, body clock sorted itself out a bit already. Tuned in, and it was uh well, it was <laughs> it wasn't pretty really. It was a uh, back to the wow. old school and. Yeah, and uh, uh, another zero and a bit more ice suddenly come back, and uh, it wasn't a particularly entertaining watch. But um, we can't complain. We've got a series win, and um, it was nice to uh, to come back, even though I missed a lot of it, to some Ws. Yeah, exactly. Great two-one win, particularly this, like you said, the Saturday game. Uh, it was a huge win, particularly considering it was against Max Scherzer. So to take. Yeah. To take a Scherzer game at any time, particularly off the absolutely rancid run the Marlins have been on, was was impressive. Yeah. Um, Eleven hits as well on that game. Mm-hmm. There was, I think it was the sixth inning where we kind of busted open a bit, and it was a it was a bit of a strange run. Of uh, of plays with with that the way it all the way it all kind of came around and they scored. Miggy Rojas should have gone home. He didn't. Herrera had to go back, slide back. Next time, then Scherzer tried to. You know, it was a, a ground ball to Scherzer. He had a dodgy throw. Then it went through the catcher. You know, it was just a bit. It was a bit kind of crazy baseball going on. But either way, it led to uh, it led to a brilliant win for sure. Um, you're right. The Sunday, I I had the sweep emoji ready to rock and roll. <laughs> it wasn't to be used. I would use the emoji for that game to summarize it. Not ice, but I think ice is fair because yeah, we were shut out again. But the other emoji I'd want to use would be the the half sun, half moon, the shadow emoji. <laughs> which I, we've had two games in a row at Marlins Park, I think, on a Sunday with the roof open at the same start time. And those shadows are creating havoc. <laughs> Where literally, you're the first pitch, it's in um, it's in complete sunshine, and within up uh, two batters, the, the the batter's box is in shadow, and it gets kind of progressively worse and worse. And I think the feedback I saw some news about the Nats players were saying it was really difficult. I mean, hey, they were facing Richards. They, it, you know, his changeup is nasty enough as it is. Let alone when half of it is in light and half it in shadow. But um, without the Sunday aside, if you were going to throw an emoji out there to cover the first two games, what would your emoji be? <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd have to be back to the fire. Yeah, last. Oh, you're um, flames. You, you wanted it in the last one. You said winter is coming in the last episode and you wanted the ice gone and the fire back. Uh, it has to be. It has to be. We had what, yeah, 11 hits on the, on the Saturday for nine runs. Um, I think it was six for for three runs, which is yeah, that's okay. But the win was more important. Yeah, you know, we, it was nice to see after so many shutouts and 
so such little confidence with, that we seem to be showing up with the bat. Um, it was nice to have a bit of relief from that, at least at least for a weekend only. Yeah, I, I agree. It was it was good. It's good to have the fire emoji back. Uh, mm-hmm. Sunday is shadow emoji. Other than that, I mean, <laughs> hey, there's definitely some momentum building here with um, Saturday games, black mm-hmm. jerseys. Like the Marlins are just unbeatable with that yeah. with that setup, you know. Yeah. And if, he's, if there's he's, any. Is Caleb, is he uh, 4-0, I think, as well? Or something along those lines? I know it might have been the uniforms. Sorry, the black uniforms, I think, was 4-0 or something like that. But I think uh, Caleb on a Saturday has got a good, uh, mm-hmm. has got a good record as well. I think I read he's somewhere. He's 2-0 oh. wins. 2-0. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the Marlins were actually 4-0 on, on, a, on, a, on, you know, actually on a Saturday. Oh, that's it. That's what I read. Yeah. yeah but during the week, we won about one game, I think, in, in you know, like weekday games. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably last Friday. <laughs> it comes back to your band, Lee. That's it. They... Yeah, the band is in there. Is in there. You know, on a Saturday. You know, it works. You know, get get the old drums banging and and and, and you know, the old the old horns out and then you know it, it, you know, it does work. It you know, inspires inspires you know, the, the, the side on to score. You know, to actually score some runs because it, it does seem to be on a Saturday. When all when all of our hits come, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's there's a correlation there. Let's mm. let's get the full time back. I, I've been reaching out on Twitter. You guys may have seen. I've been reaching out, trying to find, get it hooked up with the guys who are in that band because I feel like that would be the ideal theme music for the intro <laughs> to this pod. So, uh, Russ, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna keep yeah, I'm, I'm gonna keep pressing that and see if I can. If you know, I know what Twitter's like. You'll get someone who'll hook us up. Um, with with whoever is the, I don't know if you have a leader of the band or not, and if, if that type of band. But either way, that's something we're aspiring to. I think that will that will work well for us. So, yeah. anyone who hears this podcast and knows anyone in that band, hook us <laughs> up. If not, if you know anyone who has a similar band, equally hook us up. We're looking for royalty free music. <laughs> um, all right. So, first series win in the books against. Mm. Uh, the Nats themselves, interesting to see them. Uh, they looked, uh, something wasn't quite clicking with them anyway. They, they didn't quite look right as a, as a team and seeing the Nats without Bryce in the lineup, um, they definitely look a bit weaker this year. And I know some of the guys have got off to a slowish start. The rotation still look strong naturally but as we as well publicized they've got serious bullpen issues there mm-hmm. um as well so i i was hu- quite high on the nats ahead of the year but i'm looking back on that thinking what was i thinking like i was just picking a name actually when you look at them they've lost a mvp caliber player not replaced him and they've got a bullpen that is in a negative sense on fire um most of the time so Interesting to see a small sample size already, but they've started okay, but I'm not convinced by them. Um, I, I said last week that they're one of the teams that I said at the start of the season could potentially blow up if they're absolutely not in the, the title race by the time we get to um, the All-Star break, and it, it that could happen still. Um, mm. But they are 500, and everyone's ever so close. 
in the NL East at the moment. They're, it is it's still, as you say, very early days. And they, the Nats still have that kind of strong-looking lineup where you've got um, like players like Adam Eaton as well, and and you know Rendon, and you've got the the youngsters like Soto, etc. And um, and then you know Scherzer. You know, there's been a, a few comments about is this now is Scherzer now starting to to sort of you know weaken? Is is the the strong, powerful Cy Young Scherzer gone now? And what was very interesting was. In his previous start, he'd given up two runs in the first inning. I think it was against Pittsburgh, I might be wrong. And the same thing happened, obviously, in, in our game, where we went out and attacked him straight away. And I think if you let Scherzer get on his game, then there's just no hope, and he'll go the full, you know, eight, nine, and you won't get hits, and he'll get like you know 14, 15 strikeouts. But this time we kept attacking him, attacking him, attacking him, and the whole lineup attacked him. A completely different mentality to the lineup we saw against the Cubs, where they seemed so so timid. Here it was like we are really going to go for it. Mm. So um, yeah, in, in summary, the Nats could be in trouble. But as you say, it's early days. They've got a very strong, mm. experienced lineup. And I thought Strasbourg looked really good in the final game. Uh, but you're right. In though. the shadows. Yeah. Uh, and, well, that is in, yeah, maybe so. Um, although Barraclaw nearly um, lost it for them right at the end and then <laughs> in, the, in the ninth. Um, and, um, uh, he so... had something to say about it as well, didn't he? I think there was, uh, he, was <laughs> caught, he was caught yeah. uh, ushering a few uh, unsavouries, let's say. Can, just one other thing, though, about that, that the second game, the Scherzer game. Um, and you mentioned it earlier about that really odd uh, where we got, I think it was a double, and that was Hoff Herrera, but he only hit it a few foot in front of him. It was a bunt. And, yeah. <laughs> and then it was just their fielding went into complete panic and meltdown. <laughs> and, sort of, you know, a couple of past, you know, deliveries past the basement. And, uh, uh, and we got rounds, uh, you know, who gets a double? I know, you know, uh, Herrera's fast. <laughs> not off a bunt. No, I've not seen I've not seen a, a, a home run on a bunt ever before. But it was <laughs> it was the closest it's come for a while. <laughs> yeah, it was the sequence. And yeah, you're right. The Nats just went into meltdown mode. But um, ahead of that game, there was an interesting move. Or yeah, in effect, it was uh, yeah, it was in the lead up to that game, but. Uh, the the hitting coach was was fired um, ahead of that, and there's and actually someone had to be the fall guy for that. The reality is the bats, the ice emoji was there, and someone had to take the flak for that. And I I guess there's been a lot of roster moves anyway, and some of the players I think have fell foul of of that already and we'll we'll come on to Brinson later because that also needs to be covered in depth but changes need to be made there the approach wasn't right we talked about it for the last four weeks however long it may be we've been recording pods now on base percentage was just too low guys were just not getting on base there was not enough hits and 100% not enough walks and that is down to the approach and the players and all of a sudden, you have a change, and they bust out with 11 hits and you know, get the win. 
okay, small sample size again. And the next day, um, <laughs> the next day they come back to uh, a shutout and five hits. So um, maybe let's let's wait and see if that change becomes a positive one or a sustainable one. But you know, interesting uh, interesting move. I think it was probably the right move. There was also Austin Dean, uh, so the now infamous fish across the pond player. Austin Dean was then sent down uh, again ahead of, I think that was after Friday's game or maybe ahead of Saturday's game as well. So a few moves actually Saturday. So Austin Dean down, John Bertie up. Um, I don't know much about John Bertie. Rob, I think you're the AAA specialist. I think you, <laughs> uh, you might know more than, than me about him. Yeah, he spent a lot of time in the Blue Jays system and only recently moved up to AAA and then uh, um, got broke into the, the major leagues last year, but only for a few games uh, before being released. Um, so he has very little uh, major league experience. Um, he is a kind of second baseman, third baseman. Um, and um, one of the things that the, one of the reasons why he would have been brought up instead of Dean was that in both spring training and in AAA, his on-base percentage is very, very high. Whereas uh, Austin Dean, yet again, very small sample size, but apart from one game, his on-base percentage, it was very, very low. Um, although Dean's on-base percentage in AAA is high. Um, so they're looking for someone who can just get on base. And also on the basis that um, wanting to start um, Prado more because his bat's been so hot, uh, rather than just using him as a pinch hitter, you can, uh, but you can't, you know, use Prado every day. Um, and adding a bit of defensive strength, a bit of firepower to the outfield by putting Brian Anderson in there, it all made sense to bring Bertie up as that kind of platoon player into third base with Prado. So um, so far, Bertie's looked, you know, very decent in AAA. Um, he's had, uh, you know, his on-base percentage was 490 with an ERA of 286. So, um, you know, very good and very similar to where he was in spring training. Um, a couple of home runs in there as well. Um, and uh, quite a few walks as well, which is what is, okay. is aiding his on-base percentage. So where you may have had O'Brien or Dean striking out, you might get Bertie um, walking and um, yeah. and having more players on base is, is what we need. Yeah, and that's we're, we're going to dive into AAA now in a second. I think it's a good time to talk about what else is going on there. But the point you made there is is exactly where we're at. This team, it just it's an it's a get on base team. Move the men around the bases. That's what these guys should be about. What we've actually seen is everyone's just trying to blast single single home run shots, and that's it. Um, which is which is crazy. This team isn't built for that. Marlins Park isn't built for that. So it just seems it seems nuts that that has been the strategy. Okay, it's fun, and sometimes it's worked. Where we had that game where Alfaro had two home runs in a game, but you know that that hasn't that isn't sustainable. Yeah, okay, it's a bit flashy at times, but the games that we have won, and we've only won six to date the majority of them have been we've been in double digit hits for that game 
probably minimal home runs, next to no home runs. I know Granderson got a home run in the in the, the Nats game um, on Saturday, um, but that that was the advertised Marlins was hit and run, speed, pitching, and defense. And uh, I I think it's just and it, we need a reset on the approach. Let's get everyone walking. Let's you know take their pitches. Don't everyone try and be blasting home runs everywhere because it's inefficient and it ain't working. So you know it's we'll see how that plays out in the next few weeks. I'm really interested in that. Um, less of the negative side, Rob. What for what we're seeing from the from the Marlins anyway this year? In some ways, it's been like keeping up with the Kardashians because there's been so much activity going on daily almost with moves and firings and hirings and whatever. But the reality is that the players coming up uh, and players going down isn't going to stop this year. It's going to be, in some ways, a bit of a revolving door at many positions, potentially. Who else are we seeing? Who's on a good good run at the moment in the AAA side that we are likely to see probably sooner rather than later? Uh, Zach Gallen is your number one guy who looks absolutely more than ready. Um, he currently, after four games, is sitting with a 0.36 ERA, um, which is, uh, you know, absolutely incredible. Uh, and um, uh, out of uh, those four games, he's had 31 strikeouts as well, which of 25 innings pitched. Um and he had another really good game last uh, a couple of days ago against the Storm Chasers, who, who sort of last year had our number uh, or, or New Orleans number. And even actually at one point, they were, they were bases loaded in the fifth and Gallon got out of that. So he's, it's not just him just completely you know, striking them out sort of as a triple A AAA, um, sort of Verlander or Scherzer or, or DeGrom. It was... Um, he's a guy who can obviously deal with the pressure as well and he looks more than ready and this is where um, I think you could see a move coming quite soon because if one of our rotation struggles or has a health issue and currently our, our sort of our, our baby-faced aces are, are you know doing pretty well but um, Gallon is ready and at what point do they say to one of them who might be struggling, whether that may be, you know, Lopez or Alcantara, um, that they actually bring Gallon up? Um, mm-hmm. So he is more than ready. But also to note, it, and as I, I said this last week as well, in regards to the pitching, there's um, Hector Noesi, who we who did very well in, in, well, he had a bit of a rough start at the start of spring training, but since then has looked really good. He's got a 1.8 ERA, three games he's played. Alicia Hernandez, if you remember from last year, um, uh, is, is also pitching very well as a starter. Uh, he was tried out a couple of times as a starter by Mattingly last year with sort of mixed results, um, but very young, rule five pick. Um, Nick Nider, who looked very good, had a bit of a rough outing, only lasted a third of an inning and had to be sort of picked up by the bullpen. But um, even so, I, I'd expect him to kick on through the season. So in a, you've got a backup of four pitchers and you've got to remember this is the Marlins, whose pitching has been terrible for a decade. And at the moment, you've got five decent starting pitchers and at the moment, three to four players in AAA who could take their place. So uh, that's really promising. In in regards to um, the bullpen, it's a bit more mixed. 
Um, Tommy Ebelds has done quite well and is a potential closer. Um, Mike Kickham was of <laughs> him in, in spring training. There's a few down there at the moment. But one to watch out for, just as my last sort of couple of notes on the uh, on the pitching, is um, Dustin Beggs was brought up from double A and he'd looked really, really good. I think I mentioned him also last week. He had a start, um, and that was um, also seven innings uh, for no earned runs, I believe. Um, and, um, yeah, so they're, 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 they just keep coming. They're, yeah. They are pitching all the way through the organisation. Looks really good. Um, when it comes down to the bats, it's more of the familiar names. If you look at the top of the batting average and the on-base percentage, it's Riddle, it's Dean, it's Peter O'Brien and Brian Holiday. However, mixed in amongst that is Monte Harrison, and that's the one to watch out for. He will definitely be coming up into the Marlins this year. He's a centre fielder, um, and he has got a lot of promises. One of the ones that they've really, really been keen on. I've just forgotten what trade he came out from. I think it was the Ozuna trade. Well, I'll have to look that up and, and correct myself. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, at the moment, as it stands... Um, he's sitting with a 3.33 ERA uh, uh, and an on-base percentage of 4.44, a couple of home runs. Um, is a bit high on the strikeouts. So if he can temper those strikeouts, I think that's when you'll see him being brought up. But Harold Ramirez is another outfielder who's looked very, very promising. He's on Diaz at second base, had a bit of a slow start and has picked things up. Um, but it's looking really good. The last three games, uh, we've had a, a, a 10-0 win, a 9-2 win. Um, and in that, there's loads of hits. Um, O'Brien <laughs> monstered a 400-and-something-foot home run the other day. Um, yeah. And so if you want the entertainment factor from the bat, uh, you've got to go down into NOLA. Um, but yeah, I think if I had to pick, like, let's say four players, I think we could see come back up this year. It would definitely be Gallum, um, probably Hernandez as well, come back up from the pitching side of things. And when it comes to uh, apart from the names we know, um, I think we could see Monte Harrison come up. And, of course, eventually he's on Diaz, maybe later on in the year. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, yeah, Harrison was part of the, the Brewers trade, actually. Uh -huh. for, Yelich, sorry. For Yelich. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, uh, I think that was Harrison, Harrison, Diaz, Brinson and Yamamoto, I think, was the package for Yalich, which um, is a lot of, I mean, those four guys, I think the reality is all four of them guys could be starting players in 2020, 2021 for the Marlins. Yeah, Yamamoto, probably 2021. Um, yeah. yeah. He's progressing well as well. I think he had a tidy-ish spring training as well from memory, but I mean, that's a distant memory now, but um yeah. Um, all right. Excellent. Well, that's. I think we are gonna we're gonna see plenty of these guys, and there's no reason not mm -hmm. to because, in reality, our record is irrelevant. It it's a race to the first pick. Other than that, it's irrelevant. We're not going to make the playoffs, so we're not going to be 500. So, it's it's pretty pointless worrying about wins and losses. It's more about development of players and proper development of players. Um, 
One in particular, which is part of that trade that we just mentioned, is Lewis Brinson. Um, I, from afar, can't quite get my head around how he's being managed and what the development path is currently. Um, I think where we got to was, you know, he was striking out a bunch. We talked about it last week where he regressed a little bit back to the Brinson of last year. He's getting, he's being struck out a lot. Seemingly then the plan was, hey, we're going to give you a few days off, let you mentally regroup. But within those couple of days off, he was you know, dropped in as a pinch hitter, then actually was back in the lineup, batting eighth again. It all seems very odd. We, we've all talked, I think, ahead of this anyway, and we've all, uh, at least a couple of us have listened to the, the Craig Mish podcast, Swings and Mishes. And for, the, for people who haven't listened to that before, I'd recommend it if you follow the Marlins. Um, Craig's view, which uh, I think we all agree with here, is with Lewis, number eight isn't the spot for him. He started spring training hot. He was in the leadoff spot. Why not just get him back up there, let him lead off, and see what we've got? If it doesn't happen, send him down to AAA and let him find himself. Um, Dan, what are you thinking? Are you... What is, I mean, we've seen what we've seen from Brinson, but what do we see being the next steps with him? Yeah, I think we we uh, just before we came on air, we sort of quickly covered what we thought on on the situation with Lewis, and I think we was all in agreement. And um, like you just said there, I, I, he started the season uh, coming out of spring training, you know, very hot, and we was all very excited. He then started the first game leading off number one. Um, and it was almost like it didn't happen immediately. So therefore, let's chop and change around. And he was up and down the order. He's down in fifth and sixth. And then he spent a bit of time out in eight. And um, it didn't help, as we've covered before, with um, uh, the pitching always starting off quite tough in the opening innings. You know, we're, we're three innings in and we're maybe four or five down, which doesn't help with uh, putting pressure on the bat, especially putting pressure on a player like Brinson who's uh, who's cold and we're relying on him to try and get some hits and bases and some runs. Um, and I think that we all sort of agreed another guy that um, talks a lot of sense when um, we talk about Mar- Marlins is, uh, is Danny on, on Twitter over in Miami. Um, all right, Miami, I think it's handers, who uh, is very, um, very good to listen to. Very, it talks a lot of sense. And he nailed it really, I think, with, with saying that there's not really much point at the moment in sending him down. Um, we're, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to win, you know, this this year. We're not going to finish point five hundred this year. We've got nothing to lose other than to try and progress the players. And if that means putting him out up front and he doesn't do very well, just give him some more chances. If it, it, Obviously, there'll need to be a line at some point. But I really don't see the point in taking him out, putting him in, pinch hitting, bringing him in, at, uh, starting him at number eight down the order. Um, just stick him out, give him no pressure and just say, look, go and do your thing. We know you're capable of it. If it doesn't happen, then all right, then maybe for confidence, he might have to drop down to AAA. But it it makes no sense to do that at the moment. We're still very early into the season. We've just come off a series win. Just give him give him some time and see what he can do. I think that's the right thing, to the right path at the moment for, for Lewis. Yeah. Lee, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm sort of the same, same. As I, as I said last week, I think I, I don't see the point in sending him down yet. 
because I mean, as we've seen with the other players, players, players we've sent down, they go down and then they they just start turning yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> and you know, it just seems they're they're too good now now for that level. So we just we just got to leave him in there. Yeah, I I, I agree, agree. You stick him in at one, and you just tell him to tell him to go for it. You know, all this all this going putting him in eighth. I don't think it's helping because the teams know they know the, the pitching spot spot is coming up. So they're not give, they're not giving him him any pitches. All, all all they do is do it do it on the outside, and then, and then he strikes out all the time on that on that same pitch. Yeah, and then yeah, and team teams yeah they they know that now. Because yeah. they're just going going up going up after him, so I think one or two in the lineup, and just just, just tell him you've got 20, 20 25 games, you know, and you're staying in that spot, you know, and 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 and, and just see how he goes from there. But yeah, I wouldn't yeah. send him down yet. I'm like saying, you know, we, you know, we, we aren't gonna, we aren't gonna gonna finish, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know with a winning record for this season. So there's there's no point in in chopping changing yet. Yeah, 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 and the reality is we've got a pr- the primary guy in leadoff this year has been Curtis Granderson. Yeah. Um, okay, he homered against the Nats Saturday, but and he started he started well. Uh, he was he was taking a lot of walks early doors. I, I remember praising him after the first week. He homered in the first week as well. Took a lot of walks. I was thinking excellent. That's what we look want to see from the veteran guy. You know, he's a quality MLB player. He's obviously tailing off and he's at the tail end of his career now. But I wanted to see plenty of walks, get on base, lead. You know, that's what we want to see, particularly in the leadoff spot. And in the last week or maybe even 10 days, it's he's gone. Let's have a quick look here. Um, yeah, he's in the last seven days, he's. Uh, Batting 167, mm-hmm. struck out nine times from 12 at bats. Wow, he strike he struck out a bunch this last <laughs> week. Um, no walks. I mean, okay, yeah, it's not giving you know, you know, giving us nothing from the top. No, one home run, three three uh, RBIs. Yeah. So let Granderson. It's not it's not inconceivable to put Brinson there at that leadoff spot. And let him do that. It's not like Granderson's absolutely set no. the world on fire. Anderson, Granderson has been absolutely awful this week. Yeah. 12 at-bats and nine strikeouts. He makes Brinson look like an on-base <laughs> machine this week. <laughs> so that isn't a blocker. Uh, okay, I think we feel like we're in agreement there on, on Brinson. I think in reality, it was, you know, it was Craig Mish's shout. You know, put him, put him at the top of the lineup. See what he's got. I, we've we've already said this year, number eight spot is not right for Lewis. Uh, he's he's already but the re, and again for Lewis, he needs to get better at hitting breaking balls. There's just no yeah. doubt about it. And he's not seeing any fastballs now, pretty much. And the only one he saw was from Darvish, and that that hit him on the bell end. So you know, um, <laughs> he uh, I think he's been managed. I think it's been an interesting week or two for for Lewis. As you know, he's a big fan of this show. So, Lewis, you know, keep listening. We appreciate your support, of course. Um, and we look forward to you tearing it up in the future. Um, so, 
let's wait and see with Lewis. He's, we're, we're sitting here recording on Tuesday evening ahead of the first game of the Indian series. He's not on the lineup again. Let's see whether he's playing a role later in the week. Uh, maybe they'll give him this. I'd like to see them give him this series off. It's only a quick two-game series yeah. in Cleveland. However, as we mentioned, the DH is in is in play here um, for the first time this year. So maybe it's a little bit more unlikely that you could have the full series off, but maybe it's not a bad thing if he did um, and then come back strong for the, the four-game series with the, with the Phillies. So that's Lewis. I want to just go back to the Cub series, which was at the start of last week, and we had back-to-back shutout. We were shut out two times in a row, I think, there, and we were swept by the Cubs. Uh, the UK Cubs fan uh, Twitter account was uh, was key to put put the brush out there and let us see that, which was uh, which was great. Um, what the interesting part I felt, uh, particularly again talking about the Indian series, is the both the starts from Pablo and Sandy, who we're going to see now back to back days with the Indians. Um, Lee, you spotted a stat earlier, and we were talking about it before we came on regarding yeah. their their performances just just remind us of what that was and yeah uh, Lopez through the first two innings of the games this year has not not allowed a single run yet yet once it goes through 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 the order the second time his ERA goes up to 10.80 so he's obviously struggling you know, you know when when the, the order comes back around and Sandy for the first inning has a two 2.25 ERA the second inning is 2.25 and then the third inning is a massive 20.25 you know, wow. ERA. So obviously, he, I mean, we've said it before, he seems to struggle with, you know, you know, with the big inning you know, when he starts. So, yeah, it just shows that they're both, they're both sort of on the same path of, of struggling you know, you know, when it gets, gets back, you know, back around, around to, to the top, top of, of like the lineup. It yeah. Was, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it is, and... Particularly when you've got the DH in play, the lineup's even stronger again, just yeah. naturally. Well, in most cases, anyway. Um, the lineup should be stronger. It's going to be a nice test for them guys to to go out in Cleveland, um, you know, back-to-back days. We've got Carrasco first up against uh, Pablo this evening, and then Sandy against... Uh, we're unsure, actually, who's starting that second game. To be determined, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see who that is. I know they've had they had one or two injuries there in the rotation, so maybe they're playing around a bit. But it's going to be a, a good series for them. I guess we need to just keep our eye on what this third, fourth inning looks like because, yeah, yeah you're right, second time around the order. Um, and, and, I mean, let's be honest, we've played some... I mean, the NL East itself anyway, anyone you play in the division, the lineups are stacked anyway. It's, it's mm-hmm. such a strong division. Um, but... The Indians won their division last year, so they're no no mugs. I mean, they haven't heavily strengthened. I haven't seen much of the Indians, and I don't think any of you guys have either. So we've not seen much, so we're going to probably have our first look at them. Uh, they obviously won the division. From what I hear, they didn't invest. Uh, their outfield is a bag of spanners, I believe. Um, we'll see if that is true or not, but I think there was a glaring some glaring gaps there in their outfield that maybe they could and should have plugged in free agency. They decided not to. I think those guys 
are victim of a weak division where they know they can get the job done on their rotation alone and decided we can win this division without having to pay Bryce Harper 330 million or whoever. I think that's the problem for the Indians is they just fell foul. The NL East guys are like, we need to invest in anything that is, is top quality because this division is so tight. So we're hoping to, I'm hoping to catch up with the Indians uh, guys, the UK guys, not before this series, but in between series, because we play them again next week. Um, so we'll have a look at them, but also we'll, we'll catch up with them and get a bit more info as to what we can expect or what they're expecting for the series. I think they're sitting at the moment at 12 and 9, so they've got a winning record. Surprise, surprise, the AL Central is, uh, is, is toilet. Um, so... <laughs> That that means nothing to me. I mean, it, twelve and nine in the AL Central versus the Marlins six and sixteen in the NL East. Who knows what that means? Uh, we'll see. Um, all right. So we're looking for bounce backs from from Pablo and Sandy. I'm still I'm still all in on both of them guys. Uh, the question coming back back to you, Rob. You mentioned earlier we're going to see Zach Gallon. The question will be when that happens because at the moment you're right. His his ERA at under one after four starts is absolutely incredible. There's nothing more the guy can do at that level. So when are we going to see him? But how how are they going to get him in to this to this lineup? And you know, could that potentially be off the back of a poor start from Lopez or Sandy through this series? You know, could that could that be an option? Do we think? Yeah, that that could be. I think. More likely, it it will be that either one of them has a bad game or a couple of bad games. I don't think they they pull one of those for one bad game, and they haven't even against the Cubs. Um, you know, Alcantara still went six innings, uh, Lopez still went five innings, and when we talk about bad games with other teams and even some of the good teams, they they're not lasting that long. And all of our um, so far. Um, all of our, our our entire rotation has done very well. I think it's only Urania's had one of the starts, which was around sort of you know four or under. Um, so there's no need to to pull someone now. It could be a health issue is another thing. Um, mm-hmm. the, the one thing to to watch out for is I suppose if Urania's bad form had continued, then he could have been a candidate. Um, especially because mm-hmm. his whip was getting very high because of the number of walks. If one of these guys starts to struggle, starts to give a load of walks away, the one thing Gallon is not doing, he, his whip's ever so low because he's not giving away any walks. He's not letting anyone go on base. No hits, yeah. no walks. Um, so it, I think if one of these guys has a couple of bad games, then they'll put Gallon up. The other thing they could do, is considering how young a rotation we've got is they could go six starters and spread them out a bit more but do you want to disturb the rhythm that they're in at the moment so i at the moment it's either going to be someone has a couple of bad games so they they pull them and put gallon in or um there's a health problem or they decide to go six but i think they could only really do that if they have no dfa chin um, because you wouldn't want to really weaken the ballpen any further by, um, you know, putting someone else down. 
like Garcia. I, th- I thought we were going to get through a full podcast. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I even I said that before we recorded. We're not going to talk about Chen this week, and I'm just going. That's it. You've hit, you've used the lucky word twice there now, so you need to you need to neck the rest of that water you're drinking <laughs> as punishment, standard punishment. Um, yeah, I, I, it's going to be interesting. I, something I was thinking about uh, the the other day, actually, and this may have been sparked by some Twitter conversation. Most of my thoughts generally are as I'm watching games, was whether, I mean, there's no reason why Arrhenia couldn't go down into the pen um, and work out of the pen. The other one that was an interesting thought, actually, was, and whether you'd want to do this or not, I don't know, and he's been good, in my opinion, thus far, is Trevor Richards. But the thought there is he, he has one incredible pitch, but beyond that, the Arsenal isn't like... He, he hasn't got three or four plus pitches. He has, you know, a change-up that's awesome and a fastball that's okay, but doesn't have much else. And the, the thought there is, at some point, maybe he'll start to regress a bit. And if you, then if you put him into the bullpen with that type of Arsenal, he could probably be elite in that spot. Who knows? But I don't know. I mean, not saying I want to see Trevor pushed into the pen it was just the thought on where his arsenal is at and that he has an incredible change-up that can get anyone out at any high leverage spot um I, I don't know whether that will ever happen this year or in the future but i think it's a possibility i, I think you, you could if if you feel that or if, if they felt the, the marlins felt that one of the pitches was not going to make it or was regressing as the season went on then you could put them in the belt bullpen anyway, just as a as a breather, uh, rather than put them down into Nola and then bring Gallon up. It's going to be such a long season. I think yeah. uh, it, it's a guarantee that that top that that five rotation isn't going to stay there. There's going to be the an odd injury here and there. There's going to be dips in form. I we've spoken before about the whole Uranium to the bullpen thing, and I. I think the game against um, the Nationals, the the Scherzer game, I think proved why he shouldn't, because he had a really good range of of pitches. His fastball was up in the 95, 96. Again, he's, you know, the the, the sliders, the change ups. He he had a, a good mix, and when Uran is really confident and on it, then he looks so so good and. Yeah. Um, um, so I wouldn't, and and yes, it is the Trevor Richards change up, but all of the pitchers have their, you know, uh, apart from Caleb, I know Caleb has, uh, he seems to, might have that full arsenal there, but um, yeah, uh, I think we'll probably find that, you, you know, they, they might even put some of these pitchers on innings limits. As the season yeah, goes through, okay, right, you know that's enough from you, Trevor. That's enough from you, Sandy. Um, you know we will now sort of shut you down, and that's yeah. when you can bring up Gallon. That's when you can bring up Hernandez again. Uh, Nida, if he turns it on, you could bring him up. Um, so they've got so many options to do so. I think if if the, this is the the funny thing, isn't it? We talk about the pitchers at the moment, how well they're doing, but 
it's almost like the Brinson situation, isn't it? Where at the moment you don't feel Harrison is good enough to bring up, to give Brinson that rest and, and for him to, to regroup. Whereas if any of these guys have a problem, there's definitely someone there to, to pick up. Yeah. I, Caleb Smith, interesting one. I hate to say this, but I have a feeling that the phone will be ringing heaviest for Caleb Smith this year um, as we get into July. Because I, I watched that game against the Nats and he was pitching against uh, Annabelle Sanchez, who ex-Marlins player anyway. And he still has it. Well, you always have to put an asterisk next to any Marlins pitching performance because our lineup's just been terrible. So... Um, but when I look at Smith as a number five bottom of the rotation guy, he could absolutely walk into pretty much any team in, across MLB, in my opinion, at the bottom of the rotation guy, if not four, if not in some cases three. I think the guy is totally legit. And he is the oldest, give or take, of the rotation. Maybe Arania is same age or they're similar ages. He's definitely a little bit older, I think, than the others. And although he's, he's only in his second year. He's the oldest, yeah. Um, I wouldn't like it because I think he's awesome. And you, you're right, just touch upon it. He has probably the full arsenal. But that, to me, when the Marlins are still in rebuild mode and he's the oldest anyway, and the, the pitching is absolutely stocked up throughout the organisation... The reality is we need to convert some of them pieces into real high-level prospect bats. And that's, that's maybe the way we have to do it. Uh, I don't think Arania, he, he blows hot and cold and he's, when he's good, he's good. And when he's bad, he's bad. That's what we've seen this year. It's what we've seen in the past. So he is what he is. He's, a, he's fine as a piece. I think Caleb Smith is far more dependable in a team that's actually pushing on and wants to try and win now so i don't want to see it but i think the marlins will take some calls on that um what do you reckon dan anyone but smith please I want <laughs> him. <laughs> love him he's my favorite no he's uh yeah I, I i was nodding my head completely all the way along to that hey i think that you're right he I, I think he's got the full arsenal and I, I i really like him he's my favorite of all the pitchers but yeah we, I mean, it's incredible, really. We've just sat there speaking for 10 minutes about how stacked the Miami Marlins pitching is, which just seems amazing as it is talking about talking about that. But, um, yeah, we, uh, at some point, you're right, you spot on, really. We, we need to look at then trading one of these pieces into some, into some hitting power. And um, if I was another team, then Smith is the one I would be looking at across our board, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well... <laughs> To round it up, guys, there's a, there's a few bits I want to touch upon. There's a few questions we've got in the mailbag that is bursting at the seams, as always. So we'll we'll get to them shortly. Some good ones, actually. Um, one of them links back to Arania, but I'll, I'll keep you waiting for that. Um, I just wanted to talk about, before we finish up, the lineup and how that's shaping up. Because of, because of the moves made, we're sending Austin Dean back down the, the knock-on effect to that in the main has been Anderson back out to right field, which 
I've got to be honest, I was slightly disappointed at, again, going back to what you said earlier in the pod, it's a developmental year. Anderson is the long-term plan for the Marlins, I believe, at third base. So, leave it, and for me as well, he's really improved defensively there at third base. And actually, in the last few weeks as well, his hitting has come on as well. So, he's, he's kind of shaping back up to Brian Anderson that we saw last year, which is great to see. Uh, he's walking now again. He's stealing bases. He's doing. I'm not saying he can't play right field. He definitely can. He was good there last year. He's got a strong arm, so he can definitely play there. But it's interesting that the knock-on effect to Dean down, Anderson back at right field. Um, what we've seen since that move has been Walker at first, Castro at second. Rojas has won the starting uh, shortstop role. And Prado back to third. We've already talked on this pod. Prado's had a good start. He is the most consistent hitter in the lineup and has been all year. Uh, Again, I remember I watched the Scherzer first inning. We were talking about letting Scherzer dominate. Prado took about 11 or 12 pitches in his first at-bat. I don't think he ended up getting struck out or something in the end. But, you know, he he's a bat that we've talked about needs to be in the lineup. And in reality, this move is to enable Prado to play more often than he was, I think, where we've got now this heavily experienced infield of, you know, Walker, Castro, Rojas, and Prado. We've seen Granderson a lot of left and leading off. Center field is primarily Lewis up until uh, Galloway has dropped in there now, and then Brian Anderson back at right field. Alfaro primarily a, a catcher, as we know, and, and Wallach doing a good job. Um, Based on we're at well, we're just over twenty games of the year. Do you do we see this being the lineup um, moving forwards that the Marlins are going to go to, or is this just maybe a matchup scenario? Or you know, what are we seeing from this? I, I, it feels like we've kind of gone away from the gone away from some of the younger guys and maybe back towards some of the experienced guys to maybe try and improve a short-term scenario with the bats, which, okay, it's not great, but I think we want to see the players develop in their positions that we're expecting them to develop. Um, what are you saying, Lee? Yeah, I think I'm saying the bats were just so cold that I think they had to do something, you know, to, just to try and light a spark. And, and if that, that was to get, to get Prado, you know, into the lineup, then, then, then I think, I think we had to make the move. Yeah, yeah, to, to put him in at third and Anderson in in and right. I think maybe once Cooper's fit again, which I think is fair, not about a week away. I think or something around their week, two weeks away. Maybe then they might look at putting Anderson, you know, you know back into third and Prado. Yeah. Like I say, it's just just what to do with Prado because he's, like I say, his bat was bat was so hot, you know, compared to the rest. That 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 that, that ideally we want him in there. And obviously, and if you do want to want to trade him, he's obviously a prime trade candidate. You know, we we want to showcase him as well, you know, you know in the lineup. So, I think, like I say, it's disappointing that that they've stopped some of the some of the young guys, you know, you know from playing, like Dean and stuff. Where whereas we we could we could we could just just you know you know, leave them in 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 there to, to struggle a bit, but but, but yeah. I'm sure they they find it out. Yeah, but I, I think like I said, the bats are just so cold that they had to react to something. Something to do. Yeah. I mean, it, it worked on on Saturday and Friday. Obviously, won. So I mean, uh, yeah, it worked for, for for those games. So yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. I, well, time will tell. I haven't seen the lineup for this evening. Um, we're obviously onto the DH as well for this series, so um, we'll we'll wait and see on that. It, it's, I, I guess, they the I think we're underachieving in the. They knew the offense wasn't going to be great, but mm. I don't think they were expecting it to be this bad. And I think they've just got to ride some of the. There's not many hot bats in there, and I, it feels to me like they had to get Prado in. Anderson was heating up as well. They wanted those guys playing. Stalin's been fine, although he. Well, you already covered it earlier in the week. He was leading the league in uh, grounded into double plays uh, across. <laughs> across the whole ML, uh, of MLB. So, you know, he's infuriating at times with his uh, double plays, and it's the same play every time. Um, but that's the way he wants to hit. Um, you know, but there's guys... I, I like Mickey Rowe as well. I think Mickey yeah. Rowe's a... You know, he's a, he's a, he's a nice, nice piece. He's probably... He is a leader. He's a bit of the heartbeat of the team with a bit of fun. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So... We'll get to the mailbag then, guys. Um, this is from first questions from uh, from Alan Witts, uh, who, who reaches out every week. So, Alan, we appreciate the love as always. Um, Rob, I'm going to throw this one to you first up. Uh, it's a it's a Don Mattingly question, which I think is a good one. Um, and whether we feel that Don is safe for the year, no matter what. Yeah, I think he is because um, we're not going to win the World Series this year. Surprise, surprise! Um, and There's still time. There's still time. <laughs> um, and <laughs> what Mattingly gives is a very experienced, calm head, and from a Jeta perspective, someone who was in the Yankees organization for a long, long time. And if they're trying to build that very professional organisation, well, Mattingly knows exactly what it's like. And if you look through the whole coaching staff at the moment, they're at, they're really just former Yankees everywhere. And um, so you've got that calm head. And the bit that I liked was after we were swept by the Cubs uh, and Mattingly said, you know, tomorrow's another day. Uh, it's all about the waves coming in. And when the waves then go back, the sand is clean. And that's the way he's trying to obviously portray it to the players. You look, don't let the past and all the mistakes you've made in the previous games and, and the strikeouts and the problems you've had trying to get on base be a problem. You know, with, tomorrow is another day. We will get better. And so I think he's the right, calm, experienced guy you'd want there. Um, I really, really like him. Um, the thing that's going to be the issue for Mattingly is the patience of Jeter. So I think if we get towards the end of this year, and let's say we haven't really progressed. So at the moment, pitching, all really, really good. The batting needs to come along with it. If we haven't progressed, then maybe they could look for another manager next year. I really hope not. I hope they stick with Mattingly all the way, because I think he could be the right guy to guide this young team, build it up and, and bring them through. Um, the, the difficulty Mattingly has is that if you think about his power bats have all been traded away and what he's left with is more kind of journeyman veterans like Neil Walker, not... Uh, he, 
not no offense to the guy, but you know, he was at the Yankees last year and then Pittsburgh and um you haven't got the younger players in the system at the moment to bring up to replace those guys. And that's the issue. And if those guys all suddenly get traded away when it comes down to the, the waiver dead deadlines, then you're going to have to bring those young, um, uh, young bats in then. And that could cause a real problem in August and September where we could just completely fall away. Or maybe players like O'Brien, Dean, etc., Riddle, step up and they're 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 fully ready to go um and he's on diaz at second base whoever you know who knows um mm-hmm. but um yeah i think they will stick with mattingly for the rest of the season yeah we're all nodding so i think we all agree that he'll be around i mean what <laughs> what can we actually expect from him i mean you trade everyone away put anyone in there you want put Bill Belichick in there, you know, you're still, you put Alex Ferguson in there, whoever, you, you're still going to really struggle. The, the key point you made there, Rob, is progression. And that, as part of a rebuild, that is absolutely essential. Um, players, centerpieces of the rebuild cannot regress. They have to progress this year. The Marlins' record will probably go backwards, um, but that that's irrelevant. The players need to, the ones that are going to be here for, you know, in 2020, 21, 22, when the build is planned to deliver, um, they, they're the guys you need to see. We need to see Brian Anderson kicking on. You need, we need to see Brinson kicking on. Um, you know the pitching is kicking on, and you're right, right. You know you're right to flag that. Um, we need to see what Alfaro can develop into because you know though, those are the centerpieces really to the team, um, and they need to they need to progress this year. So yeah, I I agree. I think he'll be there. I think we're all thinking the same. Um, final question. Uh, it's from Joe Lenton. Um, I've got a feeling he's a Mets fan. Um, because he's the Mets are obviously struggling with their rotation because he's put out there can we trade Arania for Vargas uh, straight up so <laughs> what I'm assuming there is that Joe is is not happy with Vargas he's an ex-Marlin as well isn't he guys yes <laughs> yeah so send him uh, we'll send Vargas back Arania to the to the Mets um, Lee, what, what are you saying? Are you taking that deal? <laughs> no. I <laughs> say <laughs> so if you throw in Pete, you know Pete Alonso, then you know then yes, but but straight up no. <laughs> well, we do need a first baseman, so yeah, exactly. You know, Pete Alonso. I mean, that would make it interesting, um, for sure. I. Okay, uh, it's interesting that the Mets fans are concerned about their rotation anyway. At the bottom of the rotation, comes back to what I was saying about Caleb Smith. The reality is Caleb Smith is a far superior pitcher to Vargas at the moment. Yeah. And if I was the Mets, I would be picking up the phone um, at some point. DeGrom had a bit of a scare this week, it seems. Maybe it isn't quite as serious as maybe first thought, which is good for them but 
we all know what happens to the Mets, unfortunately, for them. And we're hoping to speak to them later in the year, uh, get get a view as to how they're progressing. But um, I think Arania, just to come back on him anyway, uh, I've already put it out there on a previous pod anyway. I think Arania will be traded this year. He's, he's turned it around anyway, his last two starts, and showed the hot Arania rather than the cold is what he started I do think he'll be traded. I do think someone will come in. What we've seen across the MLB has been a ton of starting pitchers go down early doors. The IL is absolutely full of them. And the Marlins have a have too many. So there's going to be some easy deals to make. And I like Jose a lot. But I think he will be nailed on to go. And like I said earlier, there's a chance that, that Caleb may go for a bigger haul than what Arania will will get. He, I mean, for me, from a trade perspective, you would expect Curtis Smith to to bring in a, a bigger price tag, so to speak. Um, so, yes, Joe, I think the feedback there is, pal, um, no on the trade or you need to sweeten the deal um, is what we're saying. So we'll see how that plays out. But, you know. Mets, you've got our number. Give us a call if required. Um, all right, guys, I think that that rounds up most of the the news and action from from the week we've just had. Our first series win, uh, which followed a, a three nil demolition by the Cubs, including two shutouts. So, bittersweet maybe from from the week just gone. Plenty of action. Hitting coach gone. Another roster move. Um, players shuffling around. Etc. Etc. Plenty of action. Um, two game series against the Indians starting tonight. Uh, we've got a UK friendly time tomorrow evening, which Sandy will start against. To be confirmed, to be determined uh, at the moment. Uh, we then into a four game series against the Phillies. Um, we're probably going to follow our rotation round as normal, all being well. So, Caleb Smith, Jose Arrania, Trevor, and back to Pablo for the UK friendly Sunday. So good week of baseball ahead, guys. Uh, we've got two UK friendly games as well, which is good. Um, we've already touched upon the Indians anyway. We're going into looking ahead to the Phillies. They're sat at 12 and 10. They've blown a little bit hot and cold, the Phillies. Uh, they've been playing around and, making some interesting decisions early on. They sent down the fantasy darling, the fantasy baseball darling, Nick Pavetta. He's been sent down straight away after one terrible start or maybe two. Um, so they're not messing about the Phillies. They're in, what I was saying earlier, there's a team that will be in win now mode. And the Phillies to me are absolutely in that, in that mode where hey, if they, if, if they, the shit hits the fan with the rotation, if I was them, they'd pick the phone back up. The phone lines are already open. Um, for the Marlins and Phillies anyway. So pick it back up. Send another top 100 prospect our way. That'd be fine, but probably a power hitter. That'd be nice. So we'll go around the horn very quickly, guys, um, with predictions. Uh, the Indians, as I said, are 12 and 9, but for me, that is completely irrelevant because of the, the division they're in. Um, I, I'm going to go for a split on that one. 1-1. One, one. I'm also then going to go for a split in the Philly series. So we're going to end the week three and three. That's what I'm saying. Um, the Saturday, obviously, will be a nailed on win because we'll be Saturday and we'll be wearing black jerseys. So 
that's, we can just put that one there already. We'll see how the rest go. Um, Dan, quick one, quick predictions. Yeah, um, I think I'd probably follow follow suit there, Pete. I think um, off the back of a, a series win, we're going to go undefeated in the uh, in the following two. So I'm going to go with a, a exactly the same with you. I'm going to do a split in both, and um, I'll I'll take that. And I think that's realistic as well. That's not just being an optimistic fan. I think that um, yeah, I think that's um, that's a good shout. We're we're away at we're we're at the Phillies, aren't we? At the Phillies as well, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's a four-game series. So yeah, I'll, yeah, I'm going to do the same as you: a one-one against the uh, the Indians and a two-two against the Phillies, undefeated in three series. This is it. See, this this is it. You always have the positive spin. This is <laughs> the blend of this podcast is absolutely perfect, and it was completely designed that way. And the positive fan, I was going, you know, split, split, and you went, nope, we're going undefeated. For the two series. That is the positive spin on it. I absolutely love it. Go. So there you go. Lee, what about you, mate? Swept in both. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly. Now, nah, I, oh, I think Lee. I think the Cleveland one, one will be a split. I think it's hard to know because I don't know who's starting their game on Wednesday. So it's tough to really say in that one. And the Phillies, I'll be less optimistic and say it'll be. We lose it three one, but yeah, but, so but we win, win game yeah 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 we win the Saturday one, lose on Sunday again. Standard, Rob. This is really tricky because I don't know which Marlins batting we've got. I don't know whether we've got the Cubs lot or the the Washington lot because either way you either look at it as you say as as two sweeps against us if we've got our our terrible batting back. <laughs> Or it's going to be positive. I I have to go one-one in the short little uh, series against Cleveland. The Phillies. This I'm going to take a bit of a risk here and go for a three-one win to the Marlins. Arietta last night they lost to the Mets five-one, and they've had a bit of a rocky ride over the last mm-hmm. week or so. And Arietta criticised the team, saying they weren't behind him enough. Um, so. That doesn't put it this way. I, I can't imagine a, a point where any of the Marlins pitchers would ever say that to any of their team. That seemed to kind of. A, I know they've got more personalities, but a team that's got you know, you, you, you know Bryce Harper in there, and um, you know uh, Kingery, and um, uh, I, I can't. I don't quite know. Uh, why you'd say that, unless it's a very kind of Arietta thing to say. Um, so I'm going to go three one. Yeah, you're you're pre- you're predicting there that there's dissent in the ranks and there's going to be a clubhouse cancer that's going to start and uh, they're going to take their eye off the Marlins and we're going to roll in there, do our thing. Oh, Rob, you speak a lot of sense. I got to be honest. Um, <laughs> I'm not we'll sure see, I, I picked the least to win the division, so I've just gone against myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did see as well. There was a bit of an incident with Bryce as well, who uh, last night decided to get out and have a. He got ejected in the end. The first Phillies player to be ejected for about three years or something, and he got ejected by going out to argue someone else's strike call <laughs> by the umpire after he just been struck out himself. But I think Bryce's were okay, but he went out and lost his head and. Yeah, maybe there is something going on there with the Phillies and the clubhouse and 
I don't know if 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 Arietta thought they were flat, maybe Bryce thought right. I'm just going to get vocal and just see if we can create something. Maybe I don't know. I didn't see. I haven't seen the game or anything myself. I've seen little clips on on Twitter and read a few bits today. But yeah, that's that's interesting, and it'd be interesting to see what what the Phillies are about. Their their offense is is dangerous for sure, but. Yeah, they're playing around with their rotation as well. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what the Phillies have got. Um, all right, guys. Well, uh, that's. I think that probably draws us to uh, to a close this week. Do we have Do we have a player of the week? Bearing in mind the last one we had was sent <laughs> down, I think. So, you know, maybe we if there's someone we do want to send down, uh, maybe we go with that. I don't know, but. Just to round things off, guys, um, we'll go go around the horn. Player of the week. Uh, we'll go back to you, Dan. Dan the man. Well, a little bit difficult in terms of um, I didn't see a fair bit of the week because of uh, being up in the air and body clock everywhere. So I only sort of saw highlights mainly. And then the one game I did watch was the uh, the terrible Sunday game where. We, um, we struck out and done nothing really. So, um, But just from the stats point of view and for his great performance, uh, again, uh, from a pitching point of view, um, I'm going for my man, Caleb Smith. Of course, of course. I didn't even have to ask you. <laughs> the default answer. I love it. <laughs> Go on, Ed Lee. Surprise me. Well, I did have Smith as well. Eight. <laughs> You know, eight Ks, you know, in you know, in six innings, five hits. I mean, you can't ask for more. Uh, you, know, you know, and again, uh, Brian Anderson again. You know, we were solid for the week. Uh, you know, same as same as as last week. You know, he gets he gets the runner up award again. Yeah, yeah, honourable mention for BA. Yeah. All right, Rob. Yeah, I'm with Doctor K as well. Uh, oh, full house. He, he turned it. He turned it around. It was remember. It was it was that game that was our first win uh, and and put us on the road for our first series. His strikeouts per nine are, are ridiculous. I haven't got it in front of me. I think it's about eleven. And so he's he just looks so good. And um, yeah, there is an honourable mention to um, yeah Brian Anderson as well. But uh, yeah, Doctor K is is my player of the week. Yeah. Well, I well, I'm gonna. No, actually, no. We've had one split before. I am going to go for my man, my ace, Jose Arena for the week. I to to come out with a win against Max Scherzer for me. That's awesome. I know Doctor K was awesome too, but it was only against Anibal Sanchez, who's he's washed up now. He's done. <laughs> Take on Scherzer. Actually, we may look back on this. These podcasts don't age very well. We may look back and realise that Scherzer <laughs> is done as well. So, um, all right. So there we go. The the player of the week is Doctor K. Let's hope for better fortunes for him this week. After our uh, our previous picks have not gone well. Yeah. <laughs> so let's hope for that. I just wanted to just one final thing. Just on Arietta whinging about the lack of support. Someone will know this out of you three, I'm sure, but I'm pretty confident that Trevor Richards, in all of his four starts, has had no run support at all. I think he's on. I think he's had zero runs scored for him 
Mm. I know he was quite uh, low. Yeah, he was quite low in the list. Yeah, you know, in in the whole league when I last saw it. That yeah, was before his last starts. So I'm not sure. Can't he's not, he scored in that one. He's Norton three, but it was the Cubs game. We did we did get a couple of runs at seven two, so he's had a couple. But I think that is it. Yeah, he's. If you talk about unsupported, feel sorry for Trevor. But anyway, all right, guys, we'll we'll wrap it up there. Appreciate uh, appreciated time. Uh, it's good to have the full contingent back, um, and um, we'll we'll catch up again next week. Uh, we're, for our listeners out there, we're 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 continuing on this groove. We're recording every Tuesday night um, at nine nine p.m. give or take UK time. And we're pushing out content every week, uh, every Wednesday, Wednesday morning, uh, give or take, with this uh, with this pod. So um, keep your eyes peeled for that every Wednesday. We're continuing on. We've got the four the four guys here, UK Marlins, pushing out weekly Marlins content. Feedback is welcome. Um, even constructive criticism, may I say. Um, please direct that one to to. Rob Norwich UK, um, <laughs> um, but like I said, uh, do uh, do keep your eyes peeled. We'll be having uh, be having a, probably a Phillies preview ahead of the four game series, and we're also going to pick up with the Indians guys as well, just to uh, talk about the series that we're going to have in the next two days and ahead of the the, the series next week as well. Um, until then, guys, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys again next week. <laughs>